0: I hope today's video finds you well. I have not done a garden homemaker's chats in a while, mainly because the garden has been a roller coaster of a journey for me this year, which I will go into later. Per usual, I want to start today's homemaker's chats with a word from the Lord. So it is from Romans 8. Of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But what if we hope for what we do not see? We wait for it with patience." Isn't that the most beautiful verse one just in life in general of hope isn't in what we see, but is the unseen, which is faith, but especially for the work and our efforts in the garden that we put in all of this work and effort in the springtime and even in winter back in February, starting seeds. And you don't know the at that time that if anything's going to work out, if things are going to go wrong, but you're planting in hope. You have a vision for a beautiful garden. If you watched my cottage garden video, I shared the journey of our gardening from when we were in our basement apartment and I started seeds and pots to our last garden season, which was just beautiful and it was a very successful garden. So to go from that and then starting all over again, and we did start late because we didn't know for sure if we were going to be buying this property, it has been wild. If this was the first time I've ever gardened, I think I would be so demoralized I wouldn't want to try it again. (laughs) And I don't want to say that in a negative way. This video is not negative by any means. I feel like I'm on the other side of that pit. There were moments when I came inside in tears from the garden and I just said, if I get one tomato from this garden, I will be happy. If we get one flower bloom from this garden, I will be happy. And I had to continually renew my mind of, you know what, even if we get nothing, I'm spending time out in the sunshine, I'm getting vitamin D, I'm working with my hands, which is always an amazing feeling to be working in the dirt, grounding, being outside, being in creation. All of those things. I had to keep on reframing my mind because it was so easy for me to get in a negative attitude because we had had successful garden seasons. So when everything <laughs> has gone wrong that I feel could go wrong and still trying to find joy in the garden, I really had to fight for positive reframing of my mind because it was frustrating. And so I'm gonna share some of the things that has gone wrong, some of the things that we've learned. I really believe it was the Holy Spirit that (laughs) led me to pick up this book from our bookshelf a few months ago. In the last Homemakers Chats video, I did a breakdown of this book and a few of the other books that I read. I have finished it, and I can say I do recommend it. I really love it, and again, I don't know if that's just because of this season that I'm in that I felt like it really spoke to me. but it's just beautifully written and it brings perspective to not just gardening but to putting intention in every area of our life and i'm going to read to you the one part that he does talk about with gardening because i felt like i read it at the perfect time. So he says, the importance of a family garden should not be underestimated. What is at issue is not simply the production of a few vegetables or the pleasures of beautiful flowers, but the equally important palpable sense that we live through and by the gifts of others. As every good gardener knows, the processes of life and death are beyond our control. Though we can be purely destructive in our control and our overuse of poisons, we put our seed in the ground tend it with the best care we can and then we must trust in and rely on the beneficence of god to take over this process is a practical lesson in humility and an apprenticeship in appropriate creaturehood the sense that we live by a grace that comprehends us even as we do not comprehend it gardening teaches us to slow down plants mature on their schedules rather than our own be patient cooperate mark our interdependence, learn to share, and see the goodness of God. Isn't that such a good picture of we live through and by the gifts of others? So even if you aren't having a garden or if you're not in a place where you can have a big garden, you're growing things on your balcony, you're growing herbs, but to still have that intention of someone is growing my food, someone's putting in the effort to grow food, and being grateful for those people who are doing that. And then also, if you do have a garden, you know this, we put our seed in the ground, tend it with the best care we can, and then we must trust in and rely on the beneficence of God to take over. And it is so true. It is, gardening is a act of total surrender. Even the last part, learn to share. It made me laugh because that has been our problem. This garden season is pestilence, and I'll share that later on in the video of how I've Worked around it and are still trying to work around it because we still have problems. It's just such a good mindset shift. And then he says later on, our Sabbath education is a school of conversion and celebration in which our collective anxieties, fears, and arrogance are transformed into humility, awe, and delight. When I read that line, it was a time period of me dealing with struggles in the garden, humility, all and delight. And immediately I thought that is what being in the garden is teaching me is humility, all and delight. And so that's why I made that sign on the entry gate of our garden, which says a place of all humility and delight, as a reminder of this is a place for joy. It's a place of learning and what better place to learn humility than in the garden. So I highly recommend it. It's Norman Wurzbaugh. It's, it's forwarded by Wendell Berry, living the Sabbath, good perspective. So with the garden, I'm going to share positive stories first. So some really cool encouragements were we got wood chips during that cottage garden video. I said we really wanted wood chips but we didn't know how we were gonna get it and then the land that we bought across the street the previous owners wanted to cut down two trees because they were kind of leaning towards the barn so they got those cut down and we asked for the wood chips so we got those dumped at the end of our driveway and I am so grateful because we were using our leaves as mulch which worked fine it just wasn't very pretty so being able to replace the leaves with the wood chips was such a blessing it looked so much better it like cleaned up the garden. So that was a huge blessing we were so grateful for. We've had box turtles. We've had I don't like snakes but there's a snake that's called an earthworm snake and it's a snake but it looks like an earthworm. So there was one of those in the garden. I actually picked it up praise God I had my garden gloves on but uh, when I was pulling out the leaf mulch because I moved the leaf mulch from the beds over to our potato bed because that's a different story we haven't been able to find locally grown straw or hay that hasn't been sprayed with poison there was a nursery near us selling some bales i asked them about it and they said it was treated and so that was a little bit frustrating um but again it was that thing of this is why we're growing our own food because there is corruption in the agricultural business and at least if i know how I'm growing things, then it's going to be better than what I could buy at the grocery store. So again, that's the motivation, even if it's not for this season, even if everything we're doing this season is to set us up for next season, I still think it's worth it. So instead of using hay, which would be ideal for our potatoes, we've just used all of our leaf mulch on the potatoes and it's really condensed down. So it doesn't look like a lot, but it's using what we have lack of resources creates resourcefulness and then we had this brick path as well uh that's in front of our house that was totally grown over the bricks were laying sideways in so like the narrow way down which we were kind of confused why they did that we thought maybe they all the bricks had holes in them and that's why they turned them that way but when we dug them out half of the bricks were solid so we redid the whole path, laid them down, and it looks so much better. It looks so nice. We made our own clothesline. We, Scott made a clothesline for me. This tree, it was a mimosa tree, and the top part of the tree was broken in half. So the bottom part was still alive, but the whole top was broken. So Scott just cut the whole thing down, and that he used that as the main poles. Because it was springtime when that happened, obviously the energy of the tree is still going. <laughs> so our clothesline has branches coming out of it, which I think is so cute i feel like our clothesline is so cottagecore with the way that these little mimosa branches are coming out of it obviously that won't last long but while it is there i am enjoying it now to the things that i've had to learn this season things that we've had to overcome one of those things has been cutworms so all of the seeds that i planted back in march and the things that you can plant in the ground before the first frost date cabbages broccoli, Brussels sprouts. I put those on the ground on the same day and within three days, all of them were gone. And they, you know, not just eaten, but has just been chopped. And I think we had dealt a little bit with cutworms last year cause I kind of remember that happening to our cabbage, but not to all of them. I think it only happened to one or two. Whereas this was everything, not a single plant from my original March starts lived they were all chopped by the time i realized what was going on so i had to quickly restart all of those seeds and then look up what to do and when those were big enough to transplant again i had read one thing that said eggshells works with cutworms i used my little mortar and pestle ground up the eggshells put them all around and that did not work so the next thing i read said to put a collar around them so i had some excess plastic cups and toilet paper tubes that worked for the cutworms We also had a slug problem, which I quickly learned about and that did not work for the slugs. So I lost several things to slugs as well, but let's stick on the cutworms for now. So the collars worked for the cutworms. If you don't know what cutworms are, they are the caterpillar of a moth. They don't eat the plant. They just literally, it looks like someone took snips and cut it and then they drink the sap out of the plant. So the colors worked. And then I was really concerned with planting my tomatoes in the ground because I looked up on YouTube about do cutworms affect tomato plants? Because, you know, you spend all this time starting tomatoes in March and then when it comes time to plant them after your frost date and these tomato plants are big and I'd hate to plant them and then come out and the whole thing is snipped. So a guy on YouTube said to use aluminum foil or pop cans and wrap that around the base. So I had some sparkling water and Zevia cans and Scott cut those cans up and I wrapped those around the base and I did not lose a single tomato plant from the cutworms. So praise the Lord, that has worked perfectly I'm so thankful to the point that we have fruits we have tomato fruits on the vines right now, which I am in awe of. I was kind of totally surrendered. If we get a tomato, I will be so grateful. And that was my hope with this season was to get a huge crop of tomatoes. Now it's still early, so we'll see, but I am at least hopeful that I'll at least get one. And that's how we have overcome the cutworms. And I have a feeling the cutworm season is over because everything I'm transplanting out now hasn't been sliced. So I think that I am past that phase. Also, I did learn the reason why we have cutworm so bad is because we started our garden in the grass. And apparently, if you dig up grass and you start a garden where there was grass, the odds are higher that you're gonna have cutworm problems. And our last garden that we did the no-till, we did do it right on the grass, but we put about 12 inch layer of compost over top of that. So I think that's why we didn't have as bad of a problem so lesson learned there now with the slugs i thought a way i would overcome the slugs is with coffee grounds the coffee grounds has not worked as far as direct sewing goes it's been kind of a nightmare normally once the frost dates passed i will direct sew cosmos zinnias all of the flowers and that has not worked this year because as soon as they would come up the slugs would devour them so i thought if i Overplanted my zinia seeds because I save my zinia seeds every year. If you don't, you should because it's so easy. You should never have to buy zinia seeds again. And so I thought if I just over sowed them, there would be enough for the slugs and enough for me. I did not think that they would devour how much they did. They probably ate 70% of the seeds that I planted, and the ones that they didn't get was because my nasturtiums were already so big that they kind of hung over the zinnias and so the zinnias that have now lived are because the nasturtiums were kind of hiding them so that's another victory the nasturtiums have done amazing and they have protected my other plants from pest. That's why I do have zinnias. And the first one actually bloomed today. It's pink. It's so beautiful and I'm so excited about it. Again, I just feel like because this garden season has been such a trial, I feel like it's set me up for even more gratefulness for it. I do feel like I've lost out on some things. All of my ochre plants have been devoured, and I haven't gotten a chance to plant more. So I don't even know if it's worth starting okra again. So stuff like that where it's like, man. You spend so much time starting seeds and then for them to just be devoured and then have to go back and then restart the process. That's been kind of a place where I've had to figure out Is it worth it doing it again? Do I really need okra? I also am still starting everything from seed trays and in our grow tent in the house. And that has seemed to be the best way around the slugs eating everything that comes up. The newest problem that we have encountered is voles. So not moles, but voles. I have never had any experience with voles. They're apparently these little mouse-looking things, and you know that it's a vole and not a mole because you can see there are holes in the ground. And we have lots of holes in the ground. And then the one day, Scott was out watering, and then I come out, and I'm like, oh no, what happened to this tomato plant? And there was two of them. And he was like, yeah, the one must have died because of... Dryness because it was already totally shriveled up and dead. He was like, but that's weird. That one was just fine I just watered it and was fine and it just started to like wilt over So I go over to it and I pick it up and the whole stem is like cut at the bottom Same with the other one when I picked that up It was totally dried out, but it was also cut at the bottom and I look and both of them There's holes where the stem was so it was like something ate up all the way to the base of the stem of the plant and ate it And then the whole thing falls over and dies. So thankfully, the one that had just been wilted, I put it in water. So I was able to salvage it because it is rooting. But then I'm like, oh no, this is eating my tomatoes. Now, the positive part of this is... I planted so many tomatoes that my main area where I planted tomatoes, I ran out of space for, so I still have tomato plants that we need to create beds for. We had planned on making terraces along this hillside. We thought it would be something we would do in the next season, but because I needed more beds, Scott quickly put this together with some of the trees that were down. So they were kind of leftover tomatoes anyways, but still, I don't want these voles to get the rest of my tomato plants and then a few days later I'm out I read in this book which I will link below I'm sidetracking but Gutenberg Press is a I don't know how to even describe Gutenberg Press but they offer books that are really old They've turned them into pdfs and you can read them for free so there's this book called soil culture by jh walden and he basically has an index of all kinds of different plants fruit trees vegetables animals house plans, and it's written in the late 1800s i probably skimmed through it and read it in an hour because you can skim it based off of what information you're looking for and there he said to top onions with mulch or wood chips and it's helpful for them. So I had mushroom mulch, so I went around and was topping my onions up with mushroom mulch when I noticed the same thing with the tomatoes except the onion tops now are cut and fallen over and I pulled them out and there's a hole where the onion was and so now I realize the voles are in the onion bed. Which makes a lot of sense to me because I've noticed since I planted them to where they are now, I feel like they've been slowly thinned out and I'm like, what happened to them? I planted so many and it doesn't feel like there was as many as I planted. And now it makes sense. So I looked up what plants repel voles and an article said peppermint. So I thought, well, what if I just turn that whole tomato bed into a peppermint bed, because I'm happy for the peppermint to go wild there. We love peppermint tea, it'll be perfect. I put a peppermint plant there and a spearmint plant. I just did this yesterday, put them both in the ground. I did not put them in the same spot where the tomatoes were. I kind of moved them on either side of the tomatoes. Well, within an hour of me planting them, I planted them, watered them, walked away, I come back and the spearmint plant is totally wilted, able to pull it right up, the roots gone, cut at the base there's a hole where it was just that fast i salvaged that i put the whole plant in water and so i have a mouse traps around our garden in hopes to catch the bowls. that's what the articles that i've read say to do i did not realize how big of a problem they were gonna be because we had moles in our last garden season and we had no problem with it okay so brief interruption because am editing the video, we decided to go for a walk. On our way back, we see this little mama turtle. I'll leave her alone. But in the process, we then hear chewing over here. And as we're standing here, one of the onions falls over. So Scott just went and got all of our mole traps out, set them. You can see there's the holes. My mom just told me, bon ami. Is supposed to repel them or kill them I don't know but I have this on hand so I'm gonna put this in all the holes and we're gonna hope and pray that these things stop eating all of my onions The calendula has been doing beautifully. That's been doing well. So despite the bugs and animals, there are things that have still worked really well, which I'm very, very grateful for. The sunflowers have done well. I had to start all my sunflowers inside because the first batch I started outside, and obviously the chipmunks got them but i'm trying to do a sunflower wall i did a sunflower wall last year so i'm hoping that that works out well we're still creating beds it's a slow process but on a practical note as far as being outside in the sun whenever i'm outside i try to do my gardening either before 11, 11.30 or after three. One, because it's the hottest during from like 11.30 to three, but also because the sun's the brightest and I've really been trying to be mindful of not being out in the sun when it's super hot out so I don't get burnt. But when I am outside, I will always wear my wide brim hats. This one I got years ago at Cracker Barrel. I like it because I can put my hair up in a bun and still wear this. This one I got at Joseph Beth Bookstore. Who would have thought? And I like this one because it actually goes around to the back, whereas the open one doesn't. So I always have to put sunscreen on the back of my neck when I'm wearing this and for sunscreen. What works for me, my sister told me about this years ago. I've used it ever since and I don't know if this would work for everyone's skin type. If you are very much sunburn prone this might not be good for you but I've noticed that it does work for me it is red raspberry oil just put this on my arms on my face and it works really well to prevent sunburn um, red raspberry seed oil is known to have SPF already inside of it and so that's what's worked really well for me I'll link the website below it's very beautiful and this also is real it feels really good and luxurious on your face. It doesn't clog my pores or anything. It's really nice. And then the other thing I want to share on is how much I love having two aprons. One apron is for my inside work. One apron is for my outside work. And the outside apron I love because it has a pocket. I got it in South Africa and it has a Protea on the pocket. But it's so nice. It's so handy to wear an apron outside because I use Sharpies all the time. I use it for getting my starts out of the seed trays and for writing on tags so I have my sharpies in my pockets I usually have snips in there and I had a cold for a little bit so I had tissues in there and you just don't realize how nice it is to have a pocket on you and also I like wearing garden gloves but there are moments where I'd rather use my hands like when I'm planting seeds or when I'm planting a start. I like to like touch the dirt. So when your hands get dirty, it's nice just to be able to wipe them on the apron because it is an outdoor apron. So if you don't have a garden apron, I highly recommend it. Even if it's something that you make, a project that you sew and make, I think that would be really fun to sew your own outdoor apron. That'd be cute. So I thought I would share that with you. That is today's video. I hope that you've enjoyed it and that your garden, whether you have plants growing in pots on your balcony or porch, or you have a full-blown beautiful homestead, I hope that whatever work you're putting your hands to, that it is blessed and that you have a wonderful rest of your day. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can support our channel by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, or if you would like to purchase from our shop, our website is home with kelly k-e-l-l-i dot c-o we have organic rooibos that we bring in from scott's home country of south africa it is a delicious no caffeine tea loose leaf it is so good iced or warm and i also have some vintage home goods in the shop and i make some hand-bound journals which are also available we hope that everything that we share is an encouragement and a blessing to you and your family